Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. So I guess you could say that since these priests were in tainted false form of worship, they couldn't just go right to work in the temple. However, Josiah did allow them to go eat unleavened bread, as it says, the unleavened bread that was brought into the temple. It's kind of like he's like, hey, y'all, y'all need to take a time out. You're tainted. You need some detox time. You need a detox period before you can go get to work in the temple. A long time ago, I used to belong to a church that had some crazy things going on in it that was absolutely wrong, and it was tainted. The church was sick. I came on board with the church I'm with today, and the pastor of that church that was pastor at the time, he said, hey, before you get up and do any preaching, you need to take some detox time to let out what all the the crazy things that may have latched on to you. And he was right. I needed some time to just chill for a while before I got up to the pulpit. It's kind of like when you get out of the shower and you're soaking wet, you dry off with a towel. And even after you hang the towel up, there's still some residual water that's still on you. And you have to get out in the house and get under a fan or whatever. And it, it takes, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes before all the water is truly off of you, even though you dried off. So when you get in this... Uh, tainted environment where there's trouble going on, even though you have been pulled out of it, even though Josiah had torn down the altars, there was still some residuals hanging on these guys that needed to come off eventually. So I think that's why they did not go down to the altar of the Lord, but he did allow them to go eat unleavened bread with their brothers. It's part of the grain offerings that were given in the temple. So they're not working in the temple yet. They get to go eat the bread but they're not at the altar, but they do get to eat that bread. Now, where does that come from? What's this bread about? It came from Leviticus 6, verse 16, which says, And the remainder of it Aaron and his sons shall eat with unleavened bread. It shall be eaten in a holy place in the court of the tabernacle of meeting. They shall eat it. So, okay, the priests, these guys that were up on the high places, they were denied by the king. You can't come worship at the altar of the Lord right now because they had a twisted-up view of what true worship was like. But the king did permit them to go eat this sacrifice bread. Again, why did he do this? Uh, the Only the Levites could be priests, and you can't just go get anybody. So Josiah was probably trying to reintroduce them back into the priesthood slowly. It's possible that these Levite priests needed time to get retrained back to the proper standards again first. So. Part of that was eating the unleavened bread, so Josiah's like, you can't do the work, but I'll at least let you get started by taking this bread so that we can start giving you a detox period to go through first. We'll get you back into it eventually. He has to keep the Levites around. Okay. But right now is just too soon to put them back in the temple at full capacity. 
while Josiah was trying to purify the temple for the Lord God. 2 Kings 23 and 10. And he defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that no man might make his son or his daughter pass through the fire to Molech. That was human sacrifice in flames. Verse 11. Then he removed the horses that the kings of Judah had dedicated to the sun at the entrance to the house of the Lord by the chamber of Nathan Melech, the officer who was in the court, and he burned the chariots of the sun with fire. I think that's funny. You've got chariots dedicated to the sun, which itself is a big fireball. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna worship this fireball god called the sun. Okay, take the chariots and burn them. <laughs> Wouldn't you think a fire god could have stopped a mere man from burning chariots with fire? I it's just kind of a funny thought. <laughs> but you got these guys now. Look at what's going on. They worship false gods from A to Z. They worshiped Baal. They worship Molech. They had a they worshiped Asherah. They had Asherah poles up in the temple of God. But the sun? Oh, good grief. It's like God's temple, because that's where they were doing all this. It's like God's temple had been turned into the one-stop shopping mart. You know, whatever God you want to worship, hey, just stop in here. It's the Walmart variety store of false god worship. Just walk in and pick whatever you want. You know, I feel like worshiping the sun today. Uh, hey, do we have anything for the sun? No, we don't have anything for the sun. Well, tell you what, we're going to get something for the sun. How's about we get sacred sun horses? Yeah, that'll work. Sun horses, and we'll put sun horses at the entrance of the temple. Okay, we got sun worship now. Check, we got that. <laughs> for crying out loud. You know, these horses here. They were probably dedicated by the kings Ahaz, Manasseh, and Ammon. If you remember those God-hating guys, how bad they were. So the sun horses were removed. They were probably put to going back to typical horse work in a a pasture somewhere. And their ceremonial chariots were just burned up. I mean, the sun god, imagine that. This is turn and burn, Josiah. Turn and burn. 2 Kings 23 and 12. The altars that were on the roof, the upper chamber of Ahaz, which the kings of Judah had made, and the altars which Manasseh had made in the two courts of the house of the Lord, the king broke down and pulverized. There, there's our word, pulverized Josiah the pulverizer. Golly, look at that. He pulverized them there and threw their dust into the brook Kidron. Then the king defiled the high places that were east of Jerusalem, which were on the south of the Mount of Corruption, which Solomon, king of Israel, had built for Ashtoreth, the abomination of the Sidonians, for Chemos, the abomination of the Moabites, and for Melcom, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he broke in pieces the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images and filled their places with the bones of men. Okay, wow, Uh, this seems to be accelerating. And good, because it shows you his zeal for the Lord. But I love how it says he pulverized them. Pulverize. That sounds like a tough, harsh word. Again, you could almost, like I said earlier, you could make an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie out of this. Arnold is the pulverizer. But it's Josiah, the pulverizer. It means he crushed the altars down into fine particles. He didn't just break them into boulders. Well, let's break the boulders down into into rocks. Well, he didn't just break them down into rocks. He broke them in, into pebbles. And he didn't just break them into pebbles. We're going to keep breaking them and grinding until we turn them into sand. Absolute destruction. 
Again, he wanted to pulverize. He wanted to defile them to keep people from ever going back. And Christian, I want to tell you, this is what our repentance should be like. We should be so done with our former life that we never go back again. We should be so finished with the way things used to be that we pulverize our old life. You know, when you get saved in Jesus, you're supposed to die to your old self. You are crucified and you no longer live, but Christ lives in you. That is a pulverized life. You're not supposed to walk that way anymore. It is supposed to be gone, so gone that there's no way you can pick it back up again. Pulverized, okay? So these altars here are the same altars that he pulverized. It's the same altars mentioned back in 2 Kings 21 that Manasseh had put in the temple courts, and now they're gone. I remember when he put those altars in the in the courts of God around the temple. He moved God's altar off. No, we don't want that no more. Put this false altar here because he'd seen this cool-looking altar of a false god. He goes, man, that looks really cool. I want one like that over here at the at the house of the Lord. So he put it in. Insult to the Lord God. But look, now we're on the other side. They're gone. Thanks to Josiah the pulverizer. Now, this place that we read about here called the Mount of Corruption, I mean, that just jumps off the page at you. What is the Mount of Corruption? I looked into this and found out it's actually the Mount of Olives. Jesus often went to the Mount of Olives in his day. And I can remember standing on the Mount of Olives and looking across that valley to the Temple Mount where the temple used to be. But now, what you have here is people were leaving the temple crossing that valley and going up the Mount of Olives to do worship on the high places away from where the Lord God wanted it done. They filled the temple first with false God varieties, one-stop shop, anything you want, kind of insult baloney in there, and tainted that all up. But now we're going to go up the hill to the Mount of Olives, and we're going to worship up there. But now to think that this mountain had been so misused for false worship that it actually became known as the Mount of Corruption. The Mount of Corruption. They corrupted it. Friends, the Bible is trying to tell us that if you worship in any other way besides the way that the Lord God wants you to worship Him, it is corrupt worship. It is not right. Now, remember how we talked about ways that Josiah would defile a place. He would look at what was not right according to that supposed God's religion. And he would defile it, throw dirt on it, whatever. But look at what he's doing here. Look at what he's doing here. He had graves dug up. He would dig up people's bones, and he would throw their bones all over these altar locations. So uh, look at what Josiah is doing here. He is being as ruthless as it takes to defile these places of sin and get them out of there. He's as ruthless with sin as it has to be. He's digging up dead bodies and throwing the bones on these places of worship. Second Kings 23 and 15. Moreover, the altar that was at Bethel and the high place which Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin, had made, both that altar and the high place he broke down, and he burned the high place and crushed it to powder and burned the wooden image. As Josiah turned, He saw the tombs that were there on the mountain, and he sent and took the bones out of the tombs and burned them on the altar and defiled it according to the word of the Lord. Listen to this, guys. He defiled it according to the word of the Lord, which the man of God proclaimed. 
who proclaimed these words. Okay, whoa, 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 right. What just happened here? <laughs> Check this out. This this is absolutely amazing. Josiah, he is going around just chewing up and spitting out all the bad stuff that shook its fist at God, all the false God places. Josiah was digging up people's bones out of graves, and he was burning them on altars of false gods so that he could defile them and do as much damage and defilement as he possibly could. And he's not seemingly yet aware that everything he was doing, his zeal to God was so great that he would got to get this stuff out of here. He didn't yet realize that everything he was doing had been prophesied by somebody in the past that he was going to come and do it. <laughs> well, this is amazing. I want to read it to you where this came from. Where, where, who, who said this and what's up? Because we just read that everything he was doing. It was according to the man of God who proclaimed these words. W- w- fill me in, Ray. I'm, I, I want to know. Here we come. Okay, I'm going to take you back in time to 1 Kings 13, verse 2. It says, Then he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, Behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David, and on you He shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you. Okay, here's this man of God. He lived maybe, I guess, about 150 years before Josiah's time, and he predicted that this guy would come, and he predicted him by his name, too. He said a guy named Josiah is coming. He said this 150 years ago. This guy named Josiah is coming, and he would eventually come and do all of this pulverizing. He would destroy all this stuff. He would burn these guys' bones on your altars and defile and destroy you. And he named this guy specifically 150 years before Josiah ever walked the earth. Is this not amazing? Josiah is out there doing it. He's defiling. He's destroying. He's knocking them down. He's digging up bones and throwing them on these altars to burn them there to defile that altar. And suddenly he's gonna he he he's about to find out that there was somebody that said he was gonna do this before he was ever around. Look at this, guys. We're back in our story again now, Second Kings twenty three and seventeen. Then he said, "What gravestone is this that I see?" So the men of the city told him, "It is the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah." and proclaimed these things which you have done against the altar of Bethel. Okay, there had to be something significant about this grave. Maybe the way it was set, maybe it had a special prophet's mark on it that made it look different, but whatever it was, it was unique, and it caught Josiah's eye. And suddenly he's like, well, wait, what, what grave is this? Can you imagine suddenly finding out that you... If you were Josiah, to find out that you had been prophesied to be doing everything that you're doing. (laughs) What a shock. I mean, you're doing it. And the day that you're doing it, you find a grave that was spoken by a man you would be doing it 150 years before you ever came to do it. What a shock. You know, friends, I just love doing Bible studies where it takes a long time to finally come out on the other end of a prophecy just like this, and then bam, now you get to talk about the other side of it. Because I was in 1 Kings 12 probably about one year ago. 
I went back and looked. It was about 54 Sundays ago, 54 weeks, over a year. And now here I am uh, in 2 Kings 23. A year ago, I was in 1 Kings talking about when those guys prophesied it. Now I'm on the other side of it, the other side of what that man of God said that Josiah would one day come and do. Friends, what this means to us is that when God says he's going to do something, he does it, even if it takes a long time to get around to it, even when everybody else has forgotten what the Lord God has said, God still keeps his word. He will establish by his power, by his strength. Amen. That is so good. If the Bible doesn't excite you, you are not reading it. 2 Kings 23, verse 18, and he said, let him alone, let no one move his bones. So they let his bones alone with the bones of the prophet who came from Samaria. Okay, wait a minute. They let his bones alone with somebody else? Okay, what, there's two guys in this grave or something? What, what, did I miss something? No, you didn't miss anything. You heard it right. The bones of a prophet was with another man's bones in the, in the same grave. Okay, what is going on? Okay, first off, out of respect, this prophet's bones were left at rest along with the bones of another prophet. Okay, he was left at rest. So here's another testament. First, you had a testament. He's digging up bones and throwing them to defile. These were common people that had said, oh, sin is okay. It's all right. Okay, this is a testament against them, even beyond the grave to them. It's a testament that what they had done was wrong, digging them up, using their bones for defilement. But this was a prophet here. Now this grave is a prophet, and his bones were left alone. That means he was left at rest. That means, friends, you follow the Lord God, and if you worship the Lord God his way, he will leave you at rest. You will have peace in him. That's amazing. Look at that picture here. So who was this other prophet, though? Who was this other guy's bones in the same grave? What is this? Again, let me take you back to 1 Kings 12. I want to tell you, remind you about the story. When all this Baal false god worship was just starting up, God sent a prophet to warn Israel not to do this. And God, if you remember, he told this prophet, don't stay, don't eat anything while you're there in the land. Don't go out of the land the same way you came in. When you go in there, you do a warning and you get out. Don't hang around. You need to get in, warn, and leave. Okay? And so the Lord sent a second prophet. Okay, you got your first prophet went in to do the warning, but the Lord sent a second prophet in to put this first prophet to the test to see if he would do what God told him to do. So you got the second prophet. He comes up to the first one. The first prophet already warned Israel, don't do this Baal worship. You need to stop this. This is wrong. So the second prophet went up to him. He said, hey, why don't you come over to my house and eat something? But the first prophet said, I can't. God told me not to. I can't do that. But the second prophet pushed on him. And so he finally gave in and he disobeyed the Lord's instructions. And so what happened was the Lord sent a lion to kill the first prophet because he didn't do what he told him to do. Now, I know this sounds absurd. But what's going on? I mean, you can read this for yourself in 1 Kings 13. But why did God do this? Why did God kill his own prophet? First off, God knew that all eyes were going to be on this first prophet. The whole nation was operating in disobedience to God. They were serving Baal, false gods. All this stuff was just terrible, okay? And if they saw that God's own prophet would disobey, then it would only make things worse. 
why would his warning hold up? Hey, these false gods, it's not good. You need to stop that. You need to get right back with the Lord. Why should they listen to that message if God's own prophet won't even obey God? Okay? So what the Lord did, he sent a second measure, a second level of, of test here. He sent a second prophet to test him. Okay, so either the first prophet is going to give the warning to Israel and obey and get out like God told him to, and that would make the message would be nice and clear to the Israelites. But if he disobeyed, then God would have to judge that first prophet so that the warning message would be extra clear. The people would see, hey, God's own prophet disobeyed, and he 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 judged his own prophet. What do you think he's going to do to us if we don't stop it, worshiping Baal? We need to cut it out. So you can see that God put multiple layers of warning into his message so that Israel would hear it. And so when the first prophet disobeyed and he he didn't do what God said, he was killed for his disobedience. This is when the second prophet stepped in and he said this in 1 Kings 13, 31. So it was after he had buried him that he spoke to his sons, saying, When I am dead, bury me in the tomb where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. Okay, so the prophet, the second prophet, had enough respect for the first prophet. Even though he disobeyed the Lord God, he still knew that he was called of God. Even the best of us, even pastors like myself, mess up, okay? Now, the second prophet was sent to test him. That was part of the job he was given to do, but he still had respect for the man. He says, I want you to bury me in the same grave with him. Okay, so now here we are 150 years later, and these two prophets, their grave was now found by Josiah. They were buried together. They had both worked together to warn Israel not to get into this false God worship stuff, but Israel did anyway. And now here's Josiah, 150 years later, he's tearing it all down, just as these prophets said he would. I mean, this is just an absolutely incredible story. It's quite a full circle to see God's warning come all the way back around to these two prophets here. Now, discovering their grave here for Josiah, it was somewhat of a confirmation. It was a validation of Josiah's work that what he was doing was right. So you just know there was a lot of people back in Josiah's day. They probably would have disagreed with Josiah, and they probably probably would have said, hey, who gives you the right to knock our altars down? That's where we go to church, or that's where we go to worship. Who said you get to knock our altars down? And Josiah could say, God said. It was prophesied to happen, and so I'm doing it. Second Kings 23 and 19. Now Josiah also took away all the shrines of the high places that were in the cities of Samaria, which the kings of Israel had made to provoke the Lord to anger. And he did to them according to all the deeds he had done in Bethel. He executed all the priests of the high places who were there on the altars and burned men's bones on them, and he returned to Jerusalem. Okay, that's exactly the message of the prophet from 1 Kings 13. Let me read it again just so we get it. Saying he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you and men's bones shall be burned on you. And that's exactly what Josiah did. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.